Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix 217. It's the Bledisloe Meltdown. Ben Kimber, as I welcome you to the show. I was on New Zealand television today and I didn't really have to eat humble pie because I accepted the inevitable. Just weren't good enough in Bledisloe 1. How are you, mate? A little shell-shocked. I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> yes, yes. Where do you start? Uh, well, let's just start at the beginning. Australia scored the first points Fantastic. <laughs> through a penalty. Um, but after that, it was uh, pretty much game over. Uh, I haven't seen a result like that for a while. In fact, uh, I was actually part of the management team of the Wallabies when we got toweled up, similar scoreline in 2003, just uh, a touch out from the World Cup, and we turned it all around. But hey, vastly different team back in uh, 2003. Well, I, uh, I read a, a piece by Glenn Eller today who said who got stuck in. So he never holds back, Glenn? He, he said uh, the worst half of football the Wallabies have put on for 20 years. Well, 20 years? Yeah. That's, uh... I was trying to wonder what happened 20 years ago because it was a pretty dire <laughs> half of football. 20 years, I think. And that, and that kick, the penalty goal you mentioned that Bernard finally kicked to start with, that was the only kick that went right all night that I saw. Oh, yes. It was, um... <laughs> it was one of those nights that we can forget. So I've got the uh, red wine here. <laughs> In commemoration, drowning, sorrows, so, drowning my sorrows. Uh, it's been a long day. It was a three thirty start for New Zealand TV. All right, Ben. So um, a few things I have an issue with with the game itself is that Australia uh, lackluster in defence, thirty odd what missed tackles, and uh, I just think the competitiveness. I don't even know what we were doing at the breakdown. It really was. Uh, one of those bizarre games. You know, what were the what were they doing? What were they thinking, Ben? What were they thinking? Well, I think you mentioned the tackles. I think it was thirty-eight missed tackles, which is Whoa. which is you know one every couple of minutes. So uh, there were holes in their defence, like you wouldn't believe. But but really, Juro, like I'm, I'm I'm on board with Glenella here in one of the worst halves of football I've seen from the Wallabies ever. In that, find something that went well. Scrum, line out, kicking game, defence. Nothing went well. Nothing went well. You know, all power to the All Blacks who played particularly, you know, structured and, and strong a footy, but nothing went well. You look back at it and you try to find a couple of positives. It's, it's a couple of guys who kept their heads up through the game is about the only positive you're going to find. And maybe Alan Alatoa, who looks like he might be at home there over some years. But, but, <laughs> but really, mate, it was, it was a shambles start to finish. It certainly was. And the players who we predicted from New Zealand that would perform well certainly did. Uh, Kano had a great day out, didn't he? He just dismonstered the Australians. But Bowden Barrett talked about him heading into the game yeah. and about the options New Zealand have. And, jeez, yeah. <laughs> they just keep coming. Yeah. Tens everywhere. And Barrett really provided that spark. Mm. And, and the other thing about, I think the scary thing about this win by the All Blacks is, yes. you know, for the, first, for the first 20 minutes, it didn't feel like they played amazing rugby. You know, the kind of rugby one might have seen from All Blacks teams in the past who were just super talented. This is a super talented side, but the, the structure and the discipline and the relentlessness of this AB team was just amazing. And, and the big thing that really, as said, is scary is you start thinking about that man-to-man matchup. I mean, look at their second row and the athleticism of their second row, the ball handling of their second row, let alone their physical presence around the park, and compare that to what we're getting out of our forward pack. And it's just streets apart as the scoreline showed. So what do you think, uh, we bashed the Wallabies over tactics heading into the, uh, well, out of the England series. Um, I didn't see too much out of this game that impressed me in terms of a, uh, a fixing of that issue. I, don't, I just don't know what they were trying to do. 
you know, is either super sophisticated that we aren't smart enough to work it out, and neither were the players, by the way, because whatever it was, it didn't work, or um, they've just lost the plot. I'll probably go back to a conversation I think that we had um, around the England test time where... Uh, Checker's con- continuing line, and he said this over a number of uh, years, even for the Waratahs, etc. Is is their tactic is they want to play their own game, right? And we talked about the the, the, the issues with that we have with that that you can't just take your same game out and, and yeah, try to can't. play your game against every play, every team because there's different strengths and mm. things to play to. But I think I think within the first ten or fifteen minutes, whatever your tactics were, were gone. Yeah. When, you, when you're losing the collision, when you're losing that, when when you're throwing the ball around, you're dropping the ball, you're kicking game, struggling, just keeping your head up was mm. the tactic. And the, any plan that they would have had was going nowhere. New Zealand were winning every collision, every contest, were pushing forward and just dominating. I mean, and even that, that first try, it, it shouldn't have ever gone through any reasonably structured Wallabies defence. Dane Hallett-Petty had a really uncomfortable game on that right wing. A lot of talk around social media and that around that he's actually a fullback. Don't stick him on the wing. Mm. But just simple hands. They didn't even have numbers, but they created a small hole. Crotty's away. That was, a, that was just a, a shot straight into the heart of whatever Wallabies' plans they had for that game because all of a sudden, back foot and from a very simple play. Um, welcome to the new studio, by the way. Oh, I forgot to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so work in progress, but uh, we're making uh, great ingra- um, inroads here. Uh, I just think if you look at the contests between Australia and New Zealand, um, they've often been close in that first game or Australia if they have any chance in recent times, is that first game. We're so far off the mark, it's not funny. And um, I know that uh, in the press today, Nathan Gray was saying that they could fix the defence pretty quickly because defence is attitude. And if you get your attitude right, there's pretty much nothing you can guard too. That's when inferior teams with a low skill base can compete because it's just passion getting off the line and bashing blokes. So there's not much skill there um, that eventually wears out. So my question to you, Ben, is if it's so easy to fix, why wasn't it fixed before we got the problem? Well, it's, it's got to be the biggest worry, Juro. Yeah. I mean, particularly when you look at Checker as a coach and you see him as that guy who's all about the mental side of the game. Yeah, fire players, and brimstone. Players love him. Up. He's got that fire and brimstone. Yeah. We're all going in the trenches together. Yeah. We're going to smash this, boys. And to see the, ta- the team so bereft of any idea of where they were or what they were doing and getting sliced up, does it start to suggest, you know, you see these teams that that go on a downward path, and you find out later that there were issues going on inside the camp. Yeah. It's the sort of thing you look at that and you think, well, what's actually going on in this camp? Is there something more than we can see that is wrong? Because yeah. not only were the fundamentals of the game not, weren't there, but we've talked before about Checkers' ability to get the team mentally right, and they were not anywhere near it. That is an issue because that is his specialty. Tactics aren't. So if he can't get what he's, you know, his bread and butter's right then the straight is in real trouble in the weeks to come. I think what came out of that game from uh, the press conference is that they don't really have a clue what went wrong. Yeah. And uh, clearly they're not getting, and I know I've always been a fan of his, but he is struggling big time, uh, Bernard Foley. Um, and we don't have, we don't have, I've got to stop saying we, Australia doesn't have the big booming kicker. You know, when Mark Gerrard played at the back or Chris Latham Chris played Latham at the back. Chris Latham with his you know, yeah. spirals. Yeah. And, and, you know, even you know, even Berkey, Matt Burke. You know, just go back and look at those players who can clear and get a straighter out of trouble. That safety valve is no longer there. Yeah. They're, they're getting either short metres 
or it's going in the touch or going straight down the throat of someone. And then the, then the New Zealanders, who have far superior forward interplay mm. uh, when it comes to backs and forwards playing together. I mean, look at those tries. Yeah. How many times was Kieran Reid involved? Yeah, Kieran Reid had a massive yeah. game. The, the All Blacks back row had an enormous game. The All Blacks second row had an enormous game. You know, old school, you know, structure, but you set the platform in the forwards, and they absolutely did that. Oh, there was a point on Twitter someone said the other day about astute <coughs> coaching. And did you uh, did you burr at the fact that uh, they could, that uh, Hanson outcoached the opposition? Because I don't know if that was the case either. Yeah, look, we, we've talked about Hanson, yeah. you know, I, I think he burred it not getting coach of the year when he won the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm sure he feels a bit better about knocking over Checker's team. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those when you're driving a Ferrari versus, a, a, you know, a, mm. a Datsun 200B, which is what it sort of looked like on the weekends, how good is the coaching? But you've got to give him credit. He's got the team in great nick. He's brought, he, he's brought this team together after losing. We talked about McCaw and Carter and a few others that have moved on. The amount of experience gone out. New guys have come in and they've put on an almost record display against the Wallabies. And a couple of those tries that they got disallowed or a, a, a slight little knock-on cost them. I think Dag scored one and the second row scored one as well. This could have been an even bigger blowout. It could have been the worst loss in history for the Wallabies, and it felt like it, even if it wasn't. That's a good point. You have the All Blacks, and you lose so much experience. Any other team that loses Carter, McCaw, those likes, would be absolutely devastated. And the All Blacks just, well, whatever. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and don't, don't you think it's what McCall's not playing? And all of a sudden, Kane so had a big game on yeah. the side there yeah. at seven. Had yeah. a really big game. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, speaking of experience, um, Matt Giddo is going to be a loss, and you got to really feel for Matt Giddo. Tough, tough beat when you come. Totally he, unfairly criticised. I thought. Yeah. But he came back specifically, I saw the pre-game interviews, and he came back he said specifically because the World Cup final wasn't a happy hunting ground. You know, he left the field about less than 20 minutes in. He wanted to come back. He said he felt like there was something that wasn't that he hadn't you know, got off his chest. A bit like Rocky Balboa coming back in his <laughs> older days. But went out there and 11 minutes in, he's gone again, and he's, he's, you know, his wallaby's career is done. Um, not a great way for a wonderful servant of the game to go. Yeah, absolutely. And he took, he took a big risk. Because leaving his club in France and getting injured here is an issue. Getting injured in France is okay. His own is a bit out there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Matt Giddo, uh, I will say this uh, in his defence, isn't coming out to just you know soak up the, the limelight. He could have comfortably stayed in France and not worried about it. He burns for the jersey. and yeah. I'd, I'd struggle to find anyone else better place to play in the team at that point. Yeah, he was injured, but this... Continuing campaign against the foreign players um, and calling it the Gitto rule, I, I, I don't agree with it because if the players aren't good enough, yeah. then the coach is not going to pick them. Yeah. I think, uh, and just on that Gitto going out there, we, Gitto went, um, Tamua went, Horn went, all three gone in that first half. Yeah. Carnage, just a, it's, a, it's a really great indicator of how bad the Wallabies were that there hasn't been a massive amount of talk about that. Yeah. Any other Bledisloe Cup game where you lose your three first choice inside <laughs> centres, it's going to be the talking point. But Australia was so bad everywhere else that that just became, oh, that happened as well. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Yeah, so look, uh, you lost this player, this player, this player. There's an excuse. But I think it, it was because they were so comprehensively outplayed and they looked a bit foolish at times. Uh, let's get a bit technical about the breakdown. What did you think was going on there? Because uh, we did get pinged a few times, but we just 
didn't seem to have a clue. Yeah, I think I think uh, I watched the Fox coverage, and I think Phil Kearns is the only one who thought the All Blacks were cheating. We were just getting dominated, and um, I think whenever you start to get really dominated at the breakdown, the, the decisions start to go against you. So even if you're probably you know probably in the right or there or thereabouts, you start to lose it because, rightly so, the dominant team starts to get a bit of an edge. You know, I'm not saying that that things should be called that aren't correct, but nonetheless, it'll start to go against you, and you'll feel like it's you know even worse than it has been. Um, Pocock and Hooper didn't have the impact that you would hoped. And as you know, we spoke in the preview, I could not understand how, how Ben, McC- ben McCallman gets a, a gig at the start of that for a Bledisloe Cup. Yeah. When you've already got a line-out that's struggling, when, you, when, you, when you've got Scott Fardy, who's been a fantastic servant around the park, in the line-out, all that kind of stuff, very strange selection from Checker that. And I'd yeah. be very surprised if he persists with that. We know Fardy's the uh, abrasive player we, that Australia needs too. You know, they just need a bit of edge, you know, the counter someone like Kano, for example, who just monsters you. Uh, so the question is, um, why did Australia look so unprepared? And one of the reasons is you cannot ignore the super rugby form. The super rugby form, we talked about last week, wasn't an issue. Um, and it was definitely an issue. Look at the key players like Bowden Barrett from New Zealand, carved up for Wellington, and they carved up again for the All Blacks. Yeah. The form continued on. Yeah, the, the, the Kiwi form and the Australian form. The uncomfortable second half of the tournament that the Brumbies had, that the Waratahs had, bouncing up and down, the, the irregular play we had from our other teams, it was a carbon copy. Hmm. It was actually all the bad bits brought together into one, one team. So rather than taking a step above, all the issues that we've seen coalescing have come out again in that Wallabies team. And you really start to think, like, are we over-egging it a bit here? Because we've seen teams bounce back, as you mentioned before, the team that you were a part of back in 03. Yeah, but this is five, year, five losses in a row, including yeah. the World Cup. But, you, but that's, the, that's the fear that you really start to think. Are all these things that we've been talking about for mm. some time, about the grassroots not being right, about the skill set not coming through and the, and the focus on these players' skill base, is it starting to, to, to bear a really ugly fruit? Yeah, yeah. I think so, in, in many ways. But I think our coaches are to blame, are they? Um, because they don't encourage a certain, a certain flair. I mean, New Zealand are, are well-coached teams, but um, they still play with that illusion that it's you know free thought and playing what's in front of you. And they do have amazing skill. I don't know, I just think... Uh, and I don't think the New Zealand coach works in Australian culture, so there's a big issue here that has to be sorted out. And I just think we're not as smart as we used to be in a playing, in a playing regime. Plus, we had really good players. I made a point on the, um, on the Paul Henry show to say that all our great players are no longer here and we haven't surfaced anyone since around the 2003 era. Like, you know, the Gregan Larkhams, uh, Sterling Mortlocks, Burks, when the league guys came in, Matt Rogers, Wendell Saylor, uh, Lottie Takiri. You know, wh- where are the guys... Where are the guys since then? Well, does it get back to the you know the old Bob Dwyer line, which gets a run out every all the time? Which yeah. is you need, you need four or five players who'll make a world fifteen yeah. if you're going to be a, a world, com, a, you know, yeah. competitive team at number one in the world. Yeah. And really, for the last few years, we've had Pocock and Falau, yeah. and that's really been the size of it. A few other guys that you know go all right, yeah. but guys that you would say they are dominant figures. One of my mates was into me on the weekend saying, "Name me one player who would make the All Black side." You know, when you, you talk about a combined team. And I saw Paul Cully's team in the week for the Herald was 15 All Blacks, yeah. um, and rightly so. But you'd have to think, that 15 that Australia have, and you run through them from 1 to 15, 
again, Pocock and Falau are the only two guys who might trouble the scorer yeah. if you were going to pick a combined <clears throat> side. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, when it comes to, as I, we go back to the breakdown, solving that issue is if you don't commit enough players to it, then the All Blacks will work you out straight away. So they'll change it up on the run and to start destroying you and throw a few extra bodies in there and, and blowing us away. And they were keeping they were keeping a few out of the breakdown, mm. but they were having no trouble controlling no. it, like getting a couple of guys in there and getting control yeah. of the ball and then enough people across the park. I think that's the physicality was missing from Australia. Yeah. There was no brutality on the in the game that night, and uh, that's why you know Scott Fardy is so crucial. That's why Owen Finnegan was always, he was ungainly, but he was always in your face with arms and elbows. Just uh, awkward to play against. And the yeah. All Blacks hate playing against those sorts of guys. You know, um, so there's selection here is a big issue. But yeah. you look deeper and you go, well, is there anyone else to pick? You go back to Bob Dwyer. One of the other things Bob Dwyer used to say is that you don't need massive depth. You just need um, those five or six players who could play for the World 15 and pretty good, and about you know, 18, 19 other players, and that's it. That's, that's the way Australian rugby's been built over the years. <laughs> because it was a very thin base of players. Yeah. But I don't think with the amount of rugby we play now, we could, that's no longer a possibility. So um, Bob's got the great lines, there's no yeah. doubt about it, but I think that uh, that ship has sailed in terms of uh, having the depth. You've got to have the depth. And New Zealand have so much of it. Um, the other thing, let's go back to the kicking. Tactical kicking, mindless kicking, desperation kicking. If you can't kick, don't kick. I've been banging on about this for far too long, but I'm sure people don't want to keep hearing me talk about it. It goes all the way back. I we remember talked about doing it last week, and I said the kicking has been an issue longer, for years. Ten years. Years and years in Australia. When I was at the Waratahs working for them, we did the same thing. We did rubbish kicks from players who couldn't kick, yeah. and I, I used to blow up. Why are we kicking? We can't kick. Yeah. I asked Rocky Awesome after a game once. I said, you know, you reckon we lost against the Crusaders in New Zealand? I think it was a final. And I said, is there a way of banning kicking? Because we would just kick, and it was the last Hail Mary play. And you know, it's almost suicidal in a way, I think, yeah. Ben. Like, yeah, we've run out of steam. We've gone left and right, up and down, whatever. We were stretching the defence, but it's not, it's not bending. So let's just have a kick. Yeah. And they get the ball and score. Yeah. You know? So why? 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 Stop it! Yeah. And, mate, uh, and Bernard Foley is just... We talked about it, the capacity to drive the team around the park, and that includes the ability to pick that moment and to not just pick the moment, put the right kick in. Mm. It's just not there for Australian rugby, and it hasn't been there for some time. Bernard Foley takes too long to get the ball away, is almost always under pressure or close to a charge down if they don't get a hand on the ball. We saw Izzy Falau um, did get charged down, and it was just it was probably the, the most incompetent display of kicking we've seen from the Wallabies who have struggled. What about Michael Hooper? What do you think about his work and uh, his physicality and, and the role he plays as a back row? Look, I th- I, he, had a, he had a solid game. You know, no one had a good game. But is he playing the right game for Australia? Well, I, I think it goes to, and we talked about uh, this last week too, the selections that Checker is making. I think he's struggling at the selection table. I think he's spinning, mm. and I don't think he's putting together. We talked about the lack of the right tactics. You pick a team to play a tactical game. The, the game, the, the back row that he's put in there that, uh, in that last game, McCalman, uh, Pocock and Hooper, he wanted to play the game he wanted, the way he wanted to play it, which is fast and loose, and it just did not work against the All Blacks. But that, that area of the back row, he's sticking with the Pocock-Hooper combo. I don't think that's going to work, uh, particularly if you're not going to have such a physical uh, uh, aspect to your team. You're going to need to mix that back row up a bit more. 
you know, I'd love a wife with Palu when he was fit, someone who could actually bend the line a little bit. But also I'd, I'd bring that into the second row as well. The second row for me, he, he chopped and changed that so many times through the England game. I think these are the two guys he wanted. He picked them a little bit unfit, maybe a little not quite, quite ready. But that combination between the second row and the back row, he's not getting the ball carrying, he's not getting the physical dominance, and there are a lot of issues. So even if Hooper is playing a, a reasonably robust game, as he always does, he's very yeah. reliable, but the balance of the way he's got that team working just isn't there. All right, so um, what's the way forward? They're heading to New Zealand. So basically that's the Bledisloe Cup gone, uh, playing in Wellington and uh, the test... The, the last test, like, in a couple of months' time, basically. Yeah. Um, it's a hard hard call, isn't it? It is. Uh, and, you know, we sit here and we hope that we're not being too negative about it. We'd love to see them bounce back next week. We'd love to see some of that check and magic we've seen before where he gets a team and he gets them revved up and he gets them pointed well, in the right direction. Well, they'll defend better. There's no doubt about it. It's got to start yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's got to start there. It's got to start there with where's that integrity, that you know, in that, in that Welsh game, 13 men defending for so long. Yeah. And a, a, a lot, a few people on Twitter were talking about, you know, the pick of Belmont, Ben McCammon, saying what an awesome game he had in the Welsh game. Well, look, maybe if you're going to pick a guy to sit in the trenches with you and just tackle all day, McCammon might be your guy. Mm. But it's, we're all blacks are onto us. Mate. Oh, what's happening? It's here? a blackout. It's gone to blackout. <laughs> um, you know, maybe he's your guy. But you got to, you got to pick a team that can be physical and can also play a game as well. So in the end, I think the All Blacks will win this one. What's your tip, Ben Kimber? Yeah, it's looking like another comfortable victory to the All Blacks. Uh, Wallabies have got a lot to do. We said the first game was the one that you needed to get in front if you wanted to get into the Bledisloe Cup. They got smashed in that one. They're now heading into enemy territory where we haven't won for a very long time. Mm. You've got to think it's a big, big task ahead, and you just hope they turn up. Yes, so uh, it would be a great victory. They have to tackle, tackle, tackle. 3-0 will do. I'll drink to that. And until next week, Ben Kimber. This has been Rugger Matrix International. In the new studio. I love it. Thanks. All blue. Cheers.